This is Saving Brothers with Philip Robertson on the Saving Brothers podcast. G'day everyone, well, podcast time again. And like I always say, I vicariously travel the globe and I'm off to another destination today. Absolute pleasure to welcome to Saving Brothers, Ali West. Ali, how are you, brother? I'm a fantastic, mate. I'm great. How are you? I'm absolutely outstanding. We're at different time zones. Tell me what time it is. Your Tell me firstly, where are you in the world? I'm in Nottingham in the United Kingdom in England. So we're about two hours north of London and about an hour away from Birmingham. So we're right in the middle of England. Beautiful. And what time is it over there? It is currently 9.02 a.m. Beautiful. And it's 6.02 p.m. here in Melbourne, Australia. Brother, firstly, I'm going to ask you this question. I know it's early in your day, but how's your morning so far out of 10? I'd say it is an eight. Beautiful. And what made you give that score? Well, yesterday was my wife's birthday. So we had a solid day of uh, celebrating my wife, Sarah's birthday. So I've been very good with my alcohol consumption this year. I've not really drank much alcohol, but yesterday I had a few bevies, shall we say. So I'm feeling it a little bit today, but on the whole, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. So that's brilliant. A little bit dusty, perhaps need plenty of water, as you know. I don't need to tell you in terms of your work. We don't mind a couple of frothies over here in Australia either. We uh, don't, we're quite partial to a few bevies, but unlike you pommy fellas, we like our beer cold. So uh, if, if it's not ice cold, I don't want to know about it, but we like our wine as well. So brother, I love that you gave it an eight out of 10. That's awesome. And Sarah's birthday, brilliant. Love all that yesterday. It's a beautiful question. And the reason I asked you that question, I briefly explained it to you off air, which is because it's a way to take the mask down for me because you and I know we get very automated responses. Yeah, man, I'm good. I'm fine. Whatever. And a lot of it's BS. And, and the reason the question motivated is about end of the day, if you give a one or a three out of 10, that's okay. We want a man that we feel safe enough to say, yeah, one, give that score. But two, we would then go, well, mate, what, what, why'd you give it a one or a three? What's going on for you? Mm. So we want to open up a safe pathway to a discussion. And that's, we, you know, one of the often things I say on this podcast and to others, the problem with us blokes often or men is we're like Rubik's cubes. We think we've got to fix everything. Even if your wife, perhaps Sarah, comes home and shares her day, your, your mind, I think, often may go into, like most men, oh, I've got to give her a a solution. But at the end of the day, no, we just need to be able to listen. And that was really the motivation behind the question. But enough about that. Brother, I want to unpack your journey. So firstly, could you share with our global listeners who you are and how you landed in this place? Because here you are talking to Phil Robertson on the other end of the world at Saving Brothers. Tell us about what it is you do and what your backstory is, what your journey's been. Yep. Very interesting question. Who are you? I find that sometimes a difficult one to answer because I think we're always learning every single day who we are. So it's it's an interesting question. But in terms of what I do on a day-to-day, I run and operate a gym with my wife, Sarah. We're in the the business together. We co-run a a 9,000 square foot facility. So we do gym membership, personal training and small group training. 
that's been going since 2017. So we, we just recently celebrated our fifth year in, in business. And I have been in the health and fitness, health and well-being arena for 14 years. Um, so since 2008, so a long time. And in terms of health and fitness, I've done everything. I've, I've worked in a health club. I started off in, in Virgin Active. Then I progressed to running my own personal training business, which I did very successfully for five years. Uh, whilst I was doing that, I also helped educate other personal trainers as well to help them um, mainly around functional training and human biomechanics, because that's what my specialist area was in. And as I said, since 2017, I've been running my own own gym. And now currently, I'm focusing more on my own personal brand, primarily online. And funnily enough, it's about helping men and helping men with all of their well-being, optimal well-being of the mind, the body and the spirit. And that's where my focus is, 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 is currently is online. So growing my own personal brand, growing my public speaking opportunities and really helping as many men as possible to be the best versions of themselves. But there's a lot more to the story, so we can go as deep as you want to go. <laughs> sure. Look, it's only going to be time that will run out. But if it's, I often say if it's an impactful story, we'll get you back for another discussion. I mean, as I said to you briefly before, we're about three key pillars at Saving Brothers, which is about men's health, physical and mental health, self and wealth. And we run a program, you'll see behind me, there's a hashtag and it says keep five alive. And it's five key things we need men to do, which is number one, take care of yourself. So ask yourself how you feel about you today. Number two, I'm doing this pretty quick, but number two is movement. I don't need to sell you on that. 30 minutes a day, five times a week, we know replaces an antidepressant tablet per day. And number three, which you have been around men for years, you've been in the space 14 years and you're a man, is men tend to go to a doctor, Ali, when our leg's about to fall off, mm. as opposed to be proactive, and I'm saying that you know, pretty loosely with what I mean, but men are not good at being able to take self-care and responsibility for their physical health. They don't want to go to a doctor. Why would I want to go to a doctor? You might find something. So that's not a good thing. Too many men in my country, probably in the UK as well, drop dead of cardiac disease, which is very preventable. We just yeah. saw one of our absolute legends, Shane Warne, probably, unfortunately, could have done something had he been aware of the opportunities to be going and seeing, you know, Shane was very vain and I don't think he would, you know, God rest him in peace. I don't think he would uh, disagree with that. He loved how he looked. He took good care of himself from the outside. But perhaps what, if you looked under the hood of the engine, like a lot of men, we've got stuff going on and half the time we're not aware of it. Definitely. So that's a big thing at Saving Brothers, and I could get to the others later. But I just wanted to unpack stuff. Firstly, holistic health is obviously right in your alley, pardon the pun, but it's right up uh, your lane, so to speak. Tell us what you mean by holistic health. Yeah, well, let's just look at the word to start off with. So I'm a lover of etymology and the, the meaning of words, and whole holistic or holism is just two two things. It's being whole. So the whole bit of holism is just being whole, being complete, being the best version you could say of, of yourself. And then um, ism uh, or ist on the end there is the the feeling of collectiveness or of, of being that. So the state or the condition of it. So it's just being whole, as simple as that. So that's what holism is and holistic health is, is being whole or moving towards wholeness as much as possible because i think 
I've witnessed this firsthand that we have this focus, particularly in the health and fitness industry, of it's all vanity metrics and it's all how we look and there's not enough of how we feel, but how we feel on all levels. So for me, I talk about mind, body and spirit and how they all integrate and they're all on a continuous circle. And when you can focus on all of those and get as close as possible towards optimal health and optimal well-being in those three areas, then I think you're going to be the the whole version of yourself and the most fullest version of yourself. And to be honest, I don't think anybody is is completely whole, is completely optimally healthy, uh, even the healthiest of people. And I consider myself very, very healthy um, because I think we're, we're, there's too many variables and there's too much external stimuli, you could say. So as long as you're working on it and moving towards wholeness and focusing on the pillars that you talk about and the pillars that I talk about, then to me, you're going to grow and you're going to be the best possible version of yourself. And to me, that's what life's all about. That's why we're here, in my opinion, is to grow and develop each and every single day. So that's what I mean by holistic health is just being whole, being as close to wholeness as possible. Yeah, you're using words of our own language at Saving Brothers is we want men to be exactly as you said, to be the best version of themselves. Again, across those three pillars of physical and mental health, self and wealth. I, I get where you're coming from. It's about balance in all areas of your world as well. I do TM, Transcendental Meditation. I've been doing it for 30 years. Uh, do yoga, do some stretching. I do other things. Uh, I've had microbiome tests recently, so I'm working on my own gut health. So these are things that are very important as part of what we're delivering with our platform at Saving Brothers. And one of the biggest things which I haven't mentioned to you, which I'm sure is very much part of holistic health, is sleep and the value and importance of sleep. In fact, we have a sleep coach. I nicknamed her the Sleep Whisperer. And I'd love to talk to you during this conversation today about the value of sleep. In fact, I've run this morning, I did three podcasts, 6am, 7am, 8am, then I did two other meetings and I thought, I actually didn't have a great night's sleep last night. I'm exhausted. I run a property company. I went and turned my phone off, shut my computer down on sleep for a bit and I went and laid down for three and a half hours. Now, I don't normally do that, but Mm. I listened to my body and I could just sense I was headache, exhaustion. I thought, no. I need this. I need to give myself the gift of that, that rest to re-energise. So, yeah, in terms of your holistic health, where do you see sleep as a, as a barometer as part of that? It's the second most important thing, I believe, after breathing. I'd say breathing is the most important thing and, and focusing on... Breathing's good. Yeah, on healthy breathing and, and breathing breath. correctly. Breath yeah, breath, the breath, and we can probably tie in meditation and mindfulness alongside that. And then after that, it's sleep that is paramount. We spend what, like a crazy portion of our life sleeping. Um, so you've got to you've got to focus on it, and you've got to make it a, a paramount part of your 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 day of your routine of your life if you want to again move towards wholeness move towards optimal well-being it's it's right up there it's 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 the second or third most important thing in in terms of health and well-being for sure and i think what we're learning and 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 we at saving brothers in fact i got a meeting tonight at 8 p.m we're talking about a lot of the work we're doing around sleep actually after this you know about an hour and a half is just i think it's a bit still as basic as it is a lot of people go around and say, ah, oh, man, I can get away with four or five hours sleep, but they don't understand the destructive 
part of that because, of course, as you would well know, sleep is when the toxins are being washed out of your brain, come up through your spinal cord into your brain, and and poor sleep is related to things, as you would well know, cardiac disease, Alzheimer's, dementia. So a lot of preventable illnesses if we just respected and understood that whole world of sleep. So let me ask you this question because this is right in your wheelhouse in terms of holistic health. How do we, in this busy lifestyle where we're all, a lot of people are on the treadmill of life, you know, trying to juggle lots of things, how is the how would someone integrate holistic health, Ali, into their life? Mm, very good question. I think the first point or the first part to mention is to just take stock of where you're currently at because I think a lot of people, they live these busy lives, they're going around a million miles an hour and they don't take stock of where they're at. They don't stop and think, oh, how am I feeling or what do I want to work on? What do I want to improve? So I'd say the first part is to to figure out where you're at and then figure out where you want to get to whether you call that a goal or a dream or an aspiration or a purpose, Northern Star, however you want to label it, it's it's setting yourself some form of target. So they're the two things to get figured out first because I'm a f- fundamental believer that everything's born out of desire. So if you've got the desire to change and you've got the desire to want to improve yourself and become a better version of yourself, then really there's nothing that's going to stop you. You might just need the skills, the tactics, tactics, the techniques, the hacks, the plan to get you to where you want to be. But if you've got that burning desire to change and to want to improve, then it will happen. So it's starting with where you're at right now, having that desire, cultivating that desire, setting a goal, and then working towards it. And then the big thing after that is only picking one thing because people try to change too much at once. So you can't change a million and one things. You have to just pick one thing that you want to work on nail that and then move on to the next thing. And I've got many stories of me using this technique personally, but also with the many hundreds, if not thousands of clients that I've helped to improve their health and well-being using this technique of just picking one thing at a time. I'd say there's some good points to, to start off with. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense because sometimes, as you know, we try to make this massive overhaul and that's why I think part of the reason people... I'm not saying fail, but they, they give up because it's too much and, and it's they're trying to, a bit like golf. I don't know if you ever played golf, but a lot of yeah, people say terribly. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, correct. But there's a lot to think about in the swing and there's a lot of components to the golf swing and it's quite overwhelming. A lot of people end up giving up. So if you just work on holding the club the right way, that would just be one thing. Work on that. And then your backswing and, and, and then your pivot, the way you're turning. You're right. If you try to put it all together, it can be overwhelming and it's like too hard basket. Yeah. And I think you're spot on there, Ali. One thing, just get one thing right and then you can layer it, build on to the next thing. Absolutely. Yeah, and also, sorry to interrupt you, Philip, but also no, to, right, rem- to remember that it's it's a lifelong journey. It's a lifelong yeah, practice. Right. It's a marathon, not a sprint. You can't just expect to change something and then three days later your whole life's better it doesn't work like that and I think this is where a lot of people get lost and they they fail or they give up or they become 
disillusioned with health and well-being because they think that they're going to get instant gratification like they do with everything else in their life. And health, fitness, well-being, spirituality, mental well-being doesn't work like that. You've got to make it part of your life and you've got to do it consistently over and over and over and over again and make it part of your life. And then that's when you'll receive all the wonderful benefits that we promote and we talk about. But a lot of people don't realize that. They think that they're going to make these changes and they're ultimately going to, uh, ultimately and instantly going to feel better. And it doesn't work like that. Yeah. And I think that's such a great point. I mean, we are in that world of forget delayed gratification. People just want it now. And a lot of things they can have now. But you're right. This is a journey. This is a lifestyle. It's changing habits that you may have had your whole life. And as you said, let's just build on them one at a time. Don't need to go cold turkey because that's setting yourself up for probably disappointment and ultimately not being. And, and, and when we do that, I think you would have seen that with many people. We, we, we're working against ourselves. And I do like that. It is a destination, North Star, whatever you want to call it. And just it, it's about being very clear. I think being clear in your goals or what you, what, why are you doing this? Understand why. Is it actually to, to prolong your health or change your health? Important, absolutely. And for so, men you know, as well to be kind to yourself, mate. So for, for guys to, to be to be kind to the, and show yourself some compassion because I think often as men we, we beat ourselves up and we're too hard on ourselves. As you said earlier, we want to fix things, we want to make things right. But just be kind to yourself. If, if you slip up, it's all good. It doesn't matter. We all slip up. Nobody's perfect. Just uh, keep working at it. And keep going and be kind and don't beat yourself up because you'll get there and you'll improve if you just stick with it. So don't give up, but also be kind. Uh, you know what, Ali? Two ways. I kind of feel like we've had a conversation previously because number one thing on the Keep Five Alive program is self-love, self-care. So it's very much in line with what you just said, be kinder to yourself. And that's why we actually want each of ourselves, our brothers each day, Firstly, to ask ourselves, how do you feel about being you today on a score of scale of one to ten? And again, as, as a colleague of mine in, in Australia in Melbourne, she said, and it's remember, it's okay not to be okay. We don't have to be, you know, redlining and smashing it out of the park, of, you know, or every time. It's like, you know what? We're going to have ups and downs in life. That's just part of the journey of living. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, I've got a question here. Why and how did you decide to begin to work on yourself? Because obviously I tend to think there's usually an event or something that you get to a point, whether it's inspiration or desperation, as Tony Robbins would say, and we go, that's it, I've had enough, I'm going to really now, I've made the decision. Mm. What inspired you to get on this path? Mine all came out of a trip. I went to Sedona in Arizona which is a very special, magical, sacred place, you could say, on earth. I took a trip there in 2015 in May, off the back of a very eventful time. At the end of 2014, I'd ended a seven and a half year relationship with somebody that I had a house with, a mortgage with. So I came away from that. I was sleeping for the first part of 2015 on my parents' sofa. I was getting a little bit itchy feet, you could say, with with what I was doing in terms of my personal training business. I was looking to take that to the next step. 
And I took this trip out to Sedona and a lot of crazy magical things happened to me. I, I guess you would most probably label it up as a spiritual awakening. And I found meditation and I found a few other positive practices and they came to me at the perfect time, really. And off the back of that, I just went pedal to the metal and just full throttle on improving myself and working on myself. And as you said, taking care of yourself first and loving yourself first. And that was a big, big turning point was when I went to Sedona. And then since then, it's just snowballed. I've picked up healthier practices. I've started taking care of myself more, leveled up in all areas of my life, health, wealth, happiness, spirituality, all of them. And yeah, I'm in the, in, in the best place I've ever been in my life currently. And it all came off the back of that trip to, to Sedona. And um, yeah, just, just, just snowballed from there, really. What was the event that you went to in Sedona in Arizona? I've got a feeling I might know which one it is, but I want to hear it from you, brother. So I didn't go to an event. I just went, I just went to visit my friend who lived in Scottsdale, Arizona at the time. So I went right. to meet yep. him. Okay. And he took me to Sedona. And uh, a few years earlier, he'd been going through some tough stuff himself. He'd actually tried to take his own life. And he'd found spirituality and it really helped him. So particularly meditation and, and certain spiritual practices. And I did not, not know anything about meditation. I didn't know anything about spirituality. And we went to Sedona and my friend said, oh, would you like to do a meditation? And I was like, I don't even know anything about meditation. I don't know how to do it. And he said to me, don't worry, I'll guide you through it. So he guided me through this meditation and it was quite an advanced meditation. Now I know what I know about meditation. It's, it was quite technical and advanced, you could say. But I just w I went into it with no expectations, with no real understanding. I didn't expect anything to come out of it. But I just had the most magical experience. I felt so present. I felt this overwhelming sensation of love and gratitude. And the sun was shining on me. And I just felt absolutely incredible. And I came out of the meditation. And I said to my friend, Paul, I said, what was that? What the hell was that? And he said, what do you mean? And I said, I just feel amazing. I feel this over, overjoyed sensation. I want to do it again. And he was like, that's amazing. You must just be really respondent to it. So we did some more hiking through Sedona. And we went up one of the tallest rocks in Sedona called Cathedral Rock. And then on the way back down... We did another meditation, had similar sensations, but then some more out there stuff started happening. I, I had this feeling of magnetism pushing me and moving my body around. I got some sense of clear audience and I was hearing things and telepathic things starting to happen to me. So it all sounds a bit crazy, but that's what happened. And then my life's never been the same since that because I've made meditation part of my life. I've found other meaning in life. I've it's put me on this journey of of, of self-development, mental development, spiritual development, biohacking, all this cool stuff that really takes you to the next level and makes you whole. I've learned off the back of that trip. So it was just an incredible, magical experience that's very difficult for me to put into words. But that's when everything changed for me. And there's one other thing that to mention is I realized off the back of that trip that I'd been, I'd spent what, seven years helping other people to be better, but I wasn't helping myself. So I was a personal trainer and a coach, 
And I wasn't looking after my health. I wasn't training enough. I wasn't sleeping properly. I wasn't doing any form of spiritual practice. I was burnt out. I was stressed. I was probably a little bit worried and anxious, sometimes angry. All these lower states, I was experiencing it, but I never realized. But off the back of that trip, it made me realize I need to take care of myself. I'm number one. I'm the most important. And that's what I've done ever since 2015, seven years later. And it's changed my life. It's literally changed my life. Everything has improved off the back of that trip. So you could say it was fate. You could say I was there for a reason. Who knows? But that was the catalyst for the for the last seven years that have just passed was that trip to Sedona. And the last seven years have been challenging, really hard parts of my life, some of the lowest of the lows. But I've been able to navigate them and move through them and and see them for what they are because of the work that I've done on myself. Yeah, I love that. And, and But those challenges have really prepared you to be the man you need to be to lead your own tribe in building the online business that you're creating. One of the words you used, again, I love to tie things back to what we're doing at Saving Brothers, Ali, is gratitude. That's actually number four in the Keep Five Alive program is gratitude and, and being grateful for what you do have rather than often we are too much of us I'm guilty of it plenty of times as well. So I'm on the path of learning and and the journey is we think too often about what we don't have, what's missing. And it's like, you know what, there's so much to be grateful for. We Firstly, we're breathing, so that means we're here. We can do things like meditation. I mean, that costs nothing, as you well know, but the gift of meditation is is huge. As I said, I've done it for 30 years, been doing TM, done it twice already today. I always do it every day. And those sort of things are so powerful and so important. And what I love about what you're doing is you're taking this holistic approach. And I'm certainly going to hit you up after this offline because when I say hit you up vicariously, I mean in a way that I think what you're doing is right up our alley and I'd love to to invite you to write an article for us. But also potentially you might even want to get involved as one of our coaches, one of our global coaches, maybe even host the Saving Brothers Show podcast and we help you grow your message out there within our team around the world because we've got a huge family that we're growing in the wellness app. I think you'll love the tools that we're creating, all the trackers and markers for men to take care of their physical and mental health from their 20s through to at least their 60s and beyond. So I wanted to talk to you about the life lessons. Now, what do you think of the life lessons? I mean, you're a young guy. I'm a fair bit older than you. I'm 54. But what are the life lessons that you've had so far? If you look back, because there's been pain, obviously, and, and I've had my fair share of pain with divorce after a long marriage. I've had cancer. I've had prostate cancer at 47. I've had five surgeries. I've had complications. I don't live with my sons. I love my boys. And you know, I'm not here to create a sob story, but we've all had challenges. And what do you think so far then are the biggest lessons that has helped to shape you to lead your tribe? Very good question. Very, very good question. It's a biggie. It is a biggie. The biggest things I've learned, particularly in the last, say, 10 years, the first one is that awareness and self-awareness is key. Awareness is a superpower. And when you can become aware and self-aware, then you can improve all areas of your life, but you can also navigate yourself through life in a effective manner, you could say, but I like to say grace and ease. You can move through life with grace and ease when you become self-aware. 
And I think too many people, this might sound a bit derogatory, but I think too many people are sleepwalking through life. So they're, oh, just, mate, they're on autopilot. Yeah, autopilot, zombies, however, again, however you want to label it up. And they're not aware. They're not even just, never mind being self-aware. They're not even aware of what's happening two meters away from them. They're not so present, think, mate, if I can jump in. They are on autopilot. They are not there. Yeah. And a, a, a boss of mine, I want you to keep going, but just I want to get this across. He once said to me, Phil, wherever you are, be there. Be present. You just took my second life lesson from me. That's the next one. So self-awareness first and then ties into the next one, which is being present, being in the now. That's one of the biggest lessons. And everything's amazing and everything's blessed, you could say, when you're in the present moment, when you're just being. Some people call it the flow state. If you don't like the spiritual terms, if you don't like mindfulness or being, if you're in flow state, like when you see an athlete do something beautiful or you see, we spoke about golf, you see somebody drive the ball 350 yards effortlessly or they come out of the trees and land it two foot from the pin. Or you see someone winning the Olympics or you listen to a beautiful piece of music that's been played by Mozart or Beethoven. That's flow state. That's in the moment. And it's the best place you can be because everything oh. happens in the now. That's where it happens. And time at- doesn't really exist, but yeah. we make you it exist. Soccer. English yeah. football, and and you, and you look at say Messi, or you look at Ronaldo, and some of the goals I saw the other night. One of the guys, forgotten which match it was, but he did a volley and it curled. And he, whether or not he tried to do that, but but you go, that's just incredible. Or you you look in my country, Mark War. I don't know if you remember Steve and Mark War. Mark yeah, yeah. War, the way he used to hit the ball, it was like it just it looked effortless. Exactly, but it was just that he had such impeccable timing that it looked like he wasn't trying. Mm. And you're right. Or yeah. you said music. I went to Phantom of the Opera and I flew up to Sydney. I went to this amphitheatre with the harbour, harbour bridge and the city buildings outdoors and you close your eyes and you listen to that incredible music and you're so present and it's such a beautiful and magical thing. And I'm so glad, brother, you said being present because freaking hell, so many people are walking through life like freaking zombies mm-hmm. and it's like they need to kick up the ass to wake up and go, this is not a dress rehearsal, man. You're not yeah. going to be here forever. Definitely. It's like get, you know, wake up and and kind of, and it's frustrating sometimes. You kind of think you have no idea how good you got it, but they're too busy. Oh, this is no good and life shit. And it's like, man, you try being dead. Try being dead and let's let's have the conversation on the other side. Let me know how it is. Absolutely. I get frustrated a little bit, but I, but I do that in a way lovingly with, with yeah, love. Yeah, because you're passionate. Absolutely. Because too many people, the great Zig Ziglar, I don't know if you ever heard of Zig Ziglar. Yeah, yeah. My parents used to push it down my throat as a kid because yeah, they went, to, yeah, they went to see him right. live so many times and my parents would be like, well, Zig said this and read this book and, yeah, so I Absolutely. was yeah, I was pushed on that stuff from a young age. Yeah, well, he would say, Ali, too many people have got stinking thinking and they need to reframe and, and change how they view stuff. And really, if you look at your beautiful country, I love coming to England. As I mentioned to you off air, my partner's born in England, lived here since she was 12, but, hey, she's still got family in Bicester in England and we're going to go and visit her. I've got so many friends in the UK and I'm mates in Brighton and friends in Wales and London. And But at the end of the day, we look at our lives, we go, it's pretty bloody good. No one's dropping bombs on us. Like, unfortunately, what's going on in, you know, in Ukraine, those poor people, you know, the victims of where they're, it's like, oh, I'm like, oh, you know, this happened. And it's like, 
freaking wake up. I feel you know you want to slap them sometimes. It's like you just don't realize how good your life really is. Yeah, yeah. I get pretty passionate and wound up about this stuff because I just want like what you want, Ali. Just be the best version of yourself and take every ounce of life and enjoy it. Yeah, and I'd say that I'll give you three because I'd say that's the third. The, what what we've been talking about the overarching theme of this podcast that that's the third. It's probably the most powerful one, but it's the third biggest lesson that I've learned is that take care of yourself first. You are the most important thing. Look after yourself first. And if everyone did that, if there really is 7 billion people on this planet, if all 7 billion spent a little bit of time each day just working on themselves first before anything else, before football, before the Kardashians, before whatever BS that you're you're consumed by... If you spend just a small fraction of time each and every day working on yourself first, the world, not that I think the world's a bad place, I think the world's an incredible place and life is a blessing. But even if we just did that, that small increment each and every day, each and every one of us is working on ourselves first, the world would be even better than what it already is. It'd be incredible. There'd be more love, there'd be more compassion, there'd be more joy, there'd be more self-awareness. We'd have more people meditating. All of this good stuff that we promote and we, we're super passionate about, we just need more people to do it and do it more often and everything would improve. And I think all the problems that people have can be solved by just working on yourself. And they're looking for answers from external things. The answers aren't out there. They're in here. I'm pointing to my chest if this is just on audio, but they're inside of you. No, all this the answers is video are as well, brother. I get to see how beautiful you are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the answers are within, but we're always looking externally for answers. Totally. We, we try to find our answers in external things, in material things, and they don't matter. The most important thing that matters is you, your own health, wealth, happiness, being, your own beingness. They're, they're the most important things. And ev- everything else is just secondary to that. But we put the other things first, where it's the house, the car, the job. doesn't matter doesn't matter and we say that life's a struggle or life's shit or life's hard and we only say that because we're not really taking care of ourselves first we're not working on ourselves first because life i don't think life is hard i think that's and you sold that sometimes in the spiritual world and in the religious world if you're if you're into your your religion it's particularly like one of the key points of buddhism is that is the dukkha that life is a struggle and life is hard but i don't really believe that i don't think life is hard i think life's easy but we make it hard Oh, brother, you're in my wheelhouse. I don't know if you've heard of the the late but great Jim Rohn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Jim was really Tony Robbins' mentor. Yeah. And a lot of Tony Robbins' stuff and information, uh, the whole NLP has come from, in fact, Tony Robbins used to work for Jim Rohn selling his uh, seminars, but I again saw Jim Rohn live in Australia. Nice. But he would talk about work harder on yourself than you do on your job. Exactly. That's exactly what you're talking about. But I think you're right also, Ali. Too too many people will say, I'll be happy when I get the job, when I buy the house, when I go on the overseas trip, when Manchester United win the the championship, heaven forbid. Not that I'd be excited. Although my partner, she is a Man U fan, I will say. Her family are mad Man U fans, but some people can be disillusioned. Uh, But I'm only being serious. But they, again, they're putting it out there or they want to live through married at first sight or what do the Kardashians do because, you know, they seem to have it all. And it's freaking bullshit. It is absolute bullshit. Happiness is a, a, it's a decision. It's just a choice. Choice, yeah. You know, for me, I love nature, brother. I walk every morning. I take my dog. I do. It's amazing. 
Yeah, and I'm up at 4.30 each morning. I go for a walk, I go for my coffee, and I'm in nature, and it's just like, are you freaking serious? This is so cool. That idea behind you, Keep Five Alive, came to me as a result of quietness and walking in nature. I thought, how can I help men? I want to help five brothers, keep five brothers accountable, and then they teach five brothers, teach five brothers, teach five brothers. We take it down 11 levels. Exponentially, it's 245 million men's lives we've influenced for the better. Amazing. To look up. Yeah, absolutely. But we're like you. We're no, why did that happen? Why did that happen, Philip? Because you was present. I was That's in, I absolutely. I was present. And even with things like in my cancer journey or going through my divorce, whilst one of my coaches, Jill Humphreys from Wales, there you go, she said, Phil, all the pain that you've gone through is shaping you for the man you need to be to lead this community globally of saving brothers. And absolutely, the pain that you went through, brother, has enabled you to be the man that you are, to be also holistic in your approach to life. And you get your, I mean, I reckon with the way you coach, it's not just about the vanity side and looking good and all that sort of stuff. It's actually whole, whole, heart, everything. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You can see I'm getting excited, brother, and, and let me tell you, when I get excited, get out of the way because I'm excited about what you what you stand for. And it's really we need, it's almost like we need an awakening to wake people up to themselves and get out of their own way. Funny enough, our tagline, Ali, is you matter. If you go to the website under the banner, it says you matter. We validate every man's life, no matter where he's from, race, colour, creed, he's a man. We love him. We appreciate him. So let me ask you some of your habits. Let's talk about that. Practices, routines that help you, particularly since you came back from Arizona, which was your life-changing experience, like a sliding doors one. What are some of the things that you've done to make you a better version of you? Yeah. Meditation, journaling. Journaling's massive for me. I've journaled every single day since 2017. Every single day. Nice. Journaling, powerful, super powerful journaling. Cold showering, nutrition. Ah, talk to me about that because is that like Wim Hof? Yeah, so I I came across Wim probably in 2016. Yeah, it was just before. I got married in 2017. So, yeah, 2016 uh, was when I came across Wim. And I came across Wim through Tim Ferriss. So I was a, a big sure. Tim Ferriss fan. And then I came yeah, across Wim through Tim. Wim through Tim. So, yeah. So um, I got into his his stuff back then. And I really took cold showering seriously at the beginning of 2019. So it's been about three years now that I've been doing it consistently. And then at the back end of 2019... My, who's my brother now, I call him my brother, is a guy called Lee Ewan. And he's from Australia, funnily enough, but he lives in Helsinki, which is random. So he lives in uh, Finland, but he's from Australia. And he is a Wim Hof instructor. He also does loads of other different things in the, in the breathwork world. To me, and for me, he's the, he's the number one guy. So if anyone wants to go and check him out, it's, it's Lee Ewan, L-E-I-G-H-U-N-E-W-I-N. He's, he's the top dog when it comes to breath work, in my opinion. He came over to uh, our gym at the back end of 20, 2019 in September and did a Wim Hof uh, day, which was incredible. That was another real powerful moment for me because I had a lot of traumatic release through the, the Wim Hof breathing. 
And then he came again in November. And that was, again, was another great experience. And we did all the ice bath stuff and all that. So yeah, cold showering's a huge part of my life. Do it every day. Have done since 2019. Reading is a huge one. Reading's been massive for me. Absolute game changer. But prior to 2018, didn't read at all. Probably lucky if I finished one book in a year. And then in 2018, I said to myself, I'm going to take reading seriously. And since 2018, January, I've read 83 books and I'm currently on a book a week at the moment. So that's a proof that anyone can do it because I was a non-reader to read in a book a week in what, four years? This is what I'm really? saying. It's, it's, it's a marathon, not a sprint, but you can do it. Even if you, if you think you can't, you can. You just need to get going and do it. So reading is a huge part of my life. Reading is massive. They're, 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 they're the main ones. And then I've, I, I, I dabbled with other stuff as well, but they're the ones that have really stuck. Yeah. Yeah, and they're, yeah they're, they're the ones that have stuck. That's uh, really interesting. I've got a buddy, one of the guys that's been involved with us here at Saving Brothers out of the UK. He got me into cultures. Admittedly, I haven't taken any for a while, but maybe it's time I did again. But I remember I got I got up to eight minutes just standing there in the cold shower, and I'm thinking it's amazing once you could control your breath and stand yeah. under a freezing cold shower. You go, are you serious? You can stand there for eight minutes. I go, yeah, it was actually pretty easy because then I've now got control of my breath and the, the initial shock and it's just, as you know, you get your breathing under control. It actually becomes really quite easy. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's yeah. what I said earlier. What's the most important thing for your health? Breathing. You fix your breathing, you sort that out. That's number one. Then you get into your meditation and your mindfulness, sleeping. They're, they're, the, they're the key key pillars for sure. And I love the fact that you're a reader and what Jim Rohn would say, leaders are readers. Absolutely. It's true. And I've done a lot of that stuff. You can see I've been a bit of a junkie. I've done a lot of the, read a lot, listened to a lot of the greats over the years because I needed to work on myself constantly. And I don't have, I'm not there. It's like if I was there, I'd be maybe doing other things, kicking back in the Bahamas or whatever. But at the end of the day, we all need to constantly learn and, and open I like the, this one of Zig Ziglar's sayings. He says, a bit like when you had your moment in Arizona, which was life-changing, it's like the mind works best like a parachute when it's open. And exactly. I think if, if your mind and heart are open, you can embrace that change. And I do love the fact that you're saying we put ourselves first. That's not in any way being selfish. That's not what you're about. It's about self-love and acknowledging because you've got to make peace as one of my brothers, Dion Jensen out of New Zealand, beautiful big fella, he says you've got to make peace with the man in the mirror. He did a TEDx talk and you've got to get to know and like the person looking back at you. That person's got to become your best friend. Absolutely. Yeah. I think what I'd love, uh, how do you think someone can start meditating or at least having, let's call it a mindfulness practice. What what would be the steps? We're going to need to finish up in a couple of minutes, but I'd love you to talk about that before we jump off. Yeah. First, first tip is to slow down. So you're not going to be able to meditate and practice mindfulness if you're, if you're moving super fast and you're not slowing down. So however you can get into that, that space, it might be a case of just taking yourself to a quiet room, going out in nature, like you said, Anywhere that you can just slow down and just be more present, be more mindful, be more at one with everything, with yourself, with the universe. So slow down and get yourself into a quiet space. That's the first step. 
Then beyond that, if it's a beginner, I highly recommend guided meditations. So just whack your headphones in. We've all got headphones. We've all got YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music. Just type in guided meditation. And it doesn't have to be long. I think Calm and Headspace do five-minute ones, which is just like bonkers. That's no time at all. So five minutes, five-minute guided meditation, whack it on, sit there, no expectations, close your eyes, go with it. First time you do it, you might hate it. Your mind might be whizzing all over the place. That's how it is. That's life. It's always going to be a challenge. It's always going to throw things at you. Even me now, I'm an experienced meditator, but there's times there and I come out of it and I'm like, that was terrible. <laughs> that was terrible. I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to sit here and say that meditation solves all. I, I personally believe it does, um, but it, it's not going to solve all your problems, but it's one of the best things you can do to solve your problems. Uh, but it's like anything. It's not all going to be sunshine and rainbows. Sometimes you're going to have an experience where it challenges you or it brings something up that you just like, oh, a bit of resistance to it. You don't want to work on that thing or take that thing on, but it's come to you for a reason because when you start meditating, you're more present. And then if you want to go a bit airy-fairy, then you, you're just a clear channel for your higher self or from God or from whatever. You, you're clearer. All my best ideas have come out of meditation, my gym, my podcast, my marriage to my wife moving house, going on holiday. They've all come from meditation. That's just incredible. So yeah, so guided meditation for beginners. And if you don't take to meditation that well, then I always think there's different ways to meditate. So I'm a massive fan of active meditation, walking, hiking, playing a sport. When you do that, you are in a meditative state. You are in that flow state. You are more present. So it doesn't have to be just always closing your eyes and doing mudras with your fingers. I think people have this preconceived idea that it's all Zen with meditation. You have to turn your thoughts off. It's not like that. If, if, you, if you don't respond very well to that particular form of meditation, then maybe do an active meditation. But here's the top tip I'm going to give people for, for meditation that's worked really well for me. And I've also seen it work for many other people as well is figure out what your particular learning style is. So everyone has a way of learning. You're either auditory, so you learn through listening, which is what I am. You're visual, so you learn through seeing things. Or you're kinesthetic, so you learn through doing. When you know what learning style you are, you can combine that with a meditation practice. So when I meditate, I've always got music on or I've got something in my ears or something playing because I get into a better and a deeper meditation when I've got some form of audio coming in because I'm an auditory learner. If you're more kinesthetic and you learn through doing an active meditation, such as going out hiking and being more present through action could be the ticket for you. And if you are visual, you might want to visualize in your head or focus on a color or focus on a place. And you may find, I'm not saying it works all the time, but from experience with myself and others, it, it does when you can combine these learning styles with meditation. I think this is a super powerful um, technique to use. You might be a crossover though. Most people are crossovers. I'm sort of audio, kinesthetic. So co combine things and see what works. Meditation is just like every other healthy and positive practice. It's trial and error. It's treating yourself as a human guinea pig, finding what works, keeping it, sticking with it, and if you don't like it or it doesn't work for you, just discard it. Meditation, I believe, is for everyone, but it just it just might not be for you. You might give it a good shot and it doesn't work. So be it. Move on to the next thing. And this goes back to what I said earlier about only doing one thing. And it takes 66 days to create or break a habit. 
that's from the that studies out of London. They did the longest study into habit formation, 66 days. People used to say 21 days, 28 days, 40 days, 30 days. It's 66 days consecutive, consecutively to create a habit. So if you have tried meditation for 66 days, every single day for 66 days, and it didn't work for you, I'll hold my hands up and say meditation isn't for you. But I guarantee you probably haven't done it for 66 days consecutively. So yeah, they're, they're my top tips. And just be consistent and, and know that it's not about turning off your thoughts. It is if you live in on in a cave in the Himalayas or whatever, and you're just like super Zen or or your Buddha or your Jesus, then maybe you might be able to turn your thoughts off. But we're not. Maybe we're we're striving to be like those people that I've mentioned. Maybe we're not. So you can't switch your thoughts off. You're not. No, I agree. <laughs> Having meditated for thirty years, you just let them come in and out. Exactly. Let them come in and out. Just yeah. Brother, it's been an absolute pleasure meeting with you today. I'm My wishing pleasure. you the very, very best. Congratulations again to your wife, Sarah, for her birthday yesterday. So proud and blessed that you were here with us today at Saving Brothers and really looking forward to continuing this journey and having more meaningful conversations, Ali, with you Absolutely. here at Saving Brothers. Thank you so much for having me on. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, likewise. It's been an absolute pleasure, brother. Take care of yourself and really looking forward to catching up again with you soon, Ali. Bye for Thank now, you. Mate. Bye. Cheers. This has been a Saving Brothers podcast. Thanks for listening.